Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Well, today we're going to begin a new series uh, called Ancient Paths, Some Things Never Change. And of course, uh, doing some reflecting over the last uh, number of weeks uh, on how many things have changed. Uh, and it's universal. All nations, all people in all ages have been impacted. I'm sick of hearing the new normal. I'm just sick of hearing the phrase. Uh, uh, all of our everyday interactions have changed. Mindsets have changed. The economy uh, has changed. Consumerism Uh, politics, uh, gatherings, medical care, hygiene. I mean, we're actually a cleaner people than we've ever been. We're actually cleaner than we've ever been. Uh, Travel, uh, tech, education, fears and anxieties have even changed. Hairstyles. We are producing more trash than ever. You've noticed that. But even though uh, some of the changes, a handful of them, are good, uh, for the most part, it's been challenging, overwhelming, and unsettling. And I have found myself in desperate need of a desire, you know, for, for sure footing, something to bring calm to my emotions, sanity, uh, to my heart and mind, guidance, uh, knowing what to do and hope and, and, and where to look. And I came across this verse in Jeremiah chapter 6 in my reading. Uh, Israel was sort of in a bad way and about to go into a worse way. And the Jeremiah the prophet is speaking to them about it. And this is what he said to them. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look as if there were uh, lots of options for you. And ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. They said, we will not do that. And of course, Israel's whole future was impacted by their unwillingness to do it. But this verse sort of provided exactly what I needed at the time, some clarity, some stability, helping me figure out what my next step, sort of showing the way. The word ancient has sort of two nuances I want to uh, bring out to you. First one is it's everlasting, old. When I say ancient, you think old, but you also think everlasting. So that's sort of a temporal nuance. Uh, Been around forever isn't going anywhere, not changing with the times. But then there's also the sense in this particular word that has the idea of to learn, it has the idea of to be wise or wisdom. Uh, so this sort of this age-old wisdom is the idea. And this is a little piece of poetry within a prophecy. So it's actually wisdom literature, uh, even the, sort of ironically, in this prophetic text you know, of Jeremiah. Uh, and then the word path implies, obviously, there is a point of origin, there's a beginning, and there's a destination. There's somewhere to go. There's hope. 
And the possibility that there will be forks in the road and you'll need to know how to make those transitions. The idea of path. And then at the very end, rest. This inner peace. You know, that you're on a path that's pleasing to God. That's been around a long time, even though there's lots of roads ahead of you. And you can sort of get overwhelmed by the choices that allow me to sort of handle whatever comes, um, reminding me of these truths, bringing a sense of security and helping me navigate it. Now, uh, perhaps a way to illustrate this is, I was recently uh, reading something um, that talked about the 2004 tsunami that hit Asia, uh, specifically Aceh, sort of the northern tip of Indonesia. And 167,000 people died. So you've got the province sort of goes out here like this. And then it comes to a tip right about here. And this area is highly vulnerable to disaster, especially the island of Samula, which is right here, uh, sitting out here all by itself. Uh, It has 90,000 people that live on that island. Um, Only seven people that lived on that island died during the tsunami. Uh, You say, why? Well, this word, smong, it really means tsunami, literally, but it has come to take on a larger meaning, something along the line of ancient paths. It has the idea of ancient tradition, storytelling kinds of tradition that get passed down from one generation to the next, sort of religiously, like a path that's constantly tread upon so that it's always visible and available. Uh, And what it means, literally what they say at the end of all their storytelling, if a strong tremor occurs, And if the sea withdraws soon after, run to the hills, for the sea will soon run ashore. This is what they say at the end of each one of these. And so it's become sort of folklore, rehearsed regularly, entrenched in their minds, so that the moment they felt the tremors, they responded immediately. And one writer said this, it is very possible that over time, if a tsunami hasn't occurred, that this would, you'd lose sight of this. It wouldn't be at the forefront of your mind, you'd forget. And so he writes, self-interest and the lack of a living memory of such an event could have easily led the tradition, led to the tradition being abandoned and lives lost. There's something about that ancient path, if you walk it and you stay on it, no matter what's going on, if you rehearse it, and no matter what time of life it is, no matter what's happening in the culture, it'll save you. It was ancient wisdom, sort of beliefs, principles, and values driven home that alerted them to the danger and then to know exactly how to operate in any time or any context, including today's. So uh, that leads to this series, which Uh, is going to be sort of a wisdom literature series. Uh, Originally, it was just going to be Proverbs, but as I got into it, it just, Proverbs wasn't enough. Uh, 
It just wasn't enough for where this, uh, what we needed to think about together. So I have included Job and Ecclesiastes in this series. Uh, it'll broaden the perspective. Uh, sort of Job and Ecclesiastes help sort of fill in the gaps for Proverbs, as you'll see. So what I want to do is just introduce the series today. And then we'll look at each one of those books, Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes, together. Um, Which I think will provide sort of an ancient path for us in this present day and bring some rest. So let me say a couple things about wisdom literature. Um, First, the law and the prophets sort of give way to the wisdom literature. So you have you know, Old Testament law and prophets, you have all the the rules, sort of the the commands, thou shalt and thou shalt not. When you get to the wisdom literature, it functions more like a guide. So the wisdom literature is not so much a drill sergeant as it is a life coach, sort of guiding your steps, making sense of reality, life, and, and all its dimensions. A good portion, this is what this means, a good portion of the spiritual life, the life you're actually living right now, we would call it the the good life, potentially, requires us to think. That's what the wisdom, wisdom literature does. To think hard and to think humbly. Not even avoiding the most disturbing questions of life. That's what wisdom helps us do. So it presupposes, get this, it presupposes a world that answers to thought. That God created a world with patterns, a world that coheres. So you can think and make your way through the conundrums of life. According to Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom has been around since creation. Let's look at these verses. The Lord possessed me, wisdom says. At the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. See, we go back to that ancient sort of thing. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. So we was around before creation. And then you see wisdom. I should say she, not he. Then I was beside him, wisdom says. I was beside God like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And so wisdom is alongside God saying, I see where this is going, and I see why you're doing it, creating a world that humans can inhabit. That will bring us the most delight. So it delights supremely in human beings, all human beings. Uh, And even though it's sort of heavenly and it was around way back then and it was uh, up there, sort of in the heavens, it has come down to earth and made a world we can operate in. So wisdom was at home with God and with humans, making it accessible and available. Derek Kidner, in his great book on wisdom literature, writes this, if this is wisdom's status... If this was the making of us in the first place, then to turn from it is nothing less than to choose one's own unmaking. To not follow the wisdom provided 
will literally do you in. It will unravel you, uh, destroy you. And so you get this sort of sense that, you know, the Wright brothers could fly the first plane because they understood the laws of aerodynamics. There's a pattern and a way the world works. God has set it up that way, and there's a wise way to operate in it. And if you don't, then it's your undoing. You do it to your undoing. So let's look at all three books real quickly in sort of a summary to see how they're going to mark the path that we're going to want to look down. Let's look at Proverbs first. Proverbs 4 says this, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So Proverbs especially uses the path language. Okay? It's used about 70 times in Proverbs with a number of synonyms. In other words, there is a traversable road that leads to a destination. It's clearly marked. All practical aspects of life are considered. Remember, path and walking and your feet or your foot means every step you take in this world, there is a way to think about that. And if you're going to think about every step, it's slow, methodical, but required for every move you make. It means God, has, God wants to be involved in every move you make. Every situation, every activity, whether it's physical or whether it has to do with work or emotions or relationships or self-management or even uh, pet management, Proverbs has it. Um, I'm reading a, a really good book. I'll tell you the name of it later if it continues to be great. But right now, I'm very excited. Very excited. But here's what the writer says. Um, uh, and it has to do with the fact that they're just aren't rules for everything. You have to think hard. Uh, she writes this, rules rule. We do like our rules. Adhering to rules is much easier than experiencing wisdom or exercising wisdom. See, we'd rather have a rule than to have to think. And she writes this, there are not enough rules to color, cover all of life. Wisdom picks up where rules leave off. You think about all the categories in your life where there's not a rule. Um, your career, which job to pick. Um, relationships. There's a lot of dynamics where there are no rules. Um, risk. There's no rules. Marriage. During this three-month period, I've had two kids get married. Uh, so I have three sons married now. And so now, having been married 34 years this summer, which is long enough to know what they're in for. Uh, but I had no rules to give them. I mean, you're looking at your kids, you go, what do you say? Um, so I'll tell you what I said. If a strong tremor occurs and the sea withdraws, 
run for the hills. That's what I said. There's no rules. Listen, character, if you want to sort of broaden your, your thought here, character is being able to do the right thing when there are, are no rules. That's a great challenge. It's been a great challenge to me. And then being able to apply rules in situations where the rule isn't big enough or broad enough to cover the reality. We've got a real problem with that in the world today. Because some things look really good on paper, but they don't necessarily work in everyday reality. I just drove home from Colorado where, we, where my first son got married and uh, we're on the road. And you know, you can, I've, I've read the handbook on driving, okay? All right, there's clear rules. We couldn't drive without them at all. You gotta have them. But, but not all those rules work in every situation. You've got to, when you're behind the wheel and you've got other people around you, there are situations where you have to potentially disobey a rule. Go somewhere where you're not allowed to go. Go faster than you're not allowed to go. Go slower than you're allowed to go. All based on the situation. It's the same thing in life. Uh, you got to think. You got to act quickly. For the safety of everyone around you. If the rule is all that matters to you, you'll hurt somebody out there. So Proverbs wants to be a part of every bit of your life, even though there's no rule for it. To show you a clear path. Um, I've been reading Proverbs since I was in high school. I read them regularly. Hardly a day has gone by in my life that a proverb or more than one has not jumped out of the page in my head. To apply to a situation where there was no command by God to deal with it. We need believers in every era, not just this one, because it's, it's so raw and hard to us right now, and difficulties out there, been difficulties around since the beginning of time. We just need people who think well. That's the first book we'll be looking at. Second one is uh, Job. And this reminds us that on the road, there are often very dark times. Times when you are literally in the dark. Uh, You do not know what's going on, even though God's world operates sort of with all this order and uh, it coheres. There are times when things don't go perfectly. They don't work out. And there's a lot of mystery involved. Uh, And there aren't answers for everything. Certainly not pat answers. And we learn very quickly on this road that's supposed to be very clear and very orderly that things don't always work out. Life's hard and it's not fair. There's room in God's world and in God's will for the unexpected and the unexplained. And we don't have to be paralyzed, Job teaches. We don't have to be paralyzed by uncertainty. God is right there in charge. And very often, rather than give answers, God will ask you a question instead. 
see if I can find this. This is what he says to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Hey, you got questions today? (laughs) I got plenty of questions. You may not get them all answered. Not only just for your individual, I mean, not just for the world at large, but for your individual life. And this is what Job reminds us, that I don't need things to go perfectly or to go well for me to trust God. That's a great lesson. I'll tell you the second lesson we're going to learn. Sometimes I use God. That's another thing Job teaches us. So that's Job. And then there is Ecclesiastes which is going to ask the question, is life even worth living? I mean, is it even worth it to find a path? Uh, What's the meaning of it all anyway? I mean, that's a question that just sort of sits in the bottom of every human soul at one time or another. And Ecclesiastes will ask this question. Why then have I been so very wise? The wisest man in the world asked the question, what good was the wisdom? What was the point in finding the path? What was the point in figuring out how to do life? That's what Ecclesiastes wants to know. Because even if I find the good life, even if I figure out how to, how to, how to live with wisdom, huh. smart living is not enough. In and of itself, it's unfulfilling. And you'll wrestle with that fact every time you achieve something that you thought was going to be the thing. And it isn't. Gail and I watched a Netflix documentary documentary, uh, here recently called Magnetic. And it's about these professional elite sort of adventurers who are drawn to sort of these exotic, dangerous places uh, in the world, parts of the world, just crazy. They're all sort of seeking a thrill. Um, These are very highly trained people, very, very capable, gifted, and um, absolutely nuts is what they are. They're gifted, they're athletic, trained, and absolutely nuts is what they are, all right? Um, So they're interviewing these guys, talking about what they're about to do and how they did it, and then afterwards, and the crazy stuff, you can can go watch. But one of them was this windsurfer. Uh, And I guess it's, you know, kind of a parachute, and you're on a surfboard, and you're flying through the air while you're hitting the water and all at the same time. Um, And he's been doing it since he was a kid. It has always been his dream to be world champion, and he has become world champion multiple times. Now, the documentary is designed to show you, uh, you know, get you into the life of these people. And um, this one guy is telling his story in broken English. He's saying, uh, I've been dreaming of this since I was a child to become a world champion. Um, and if, you're, if you watched all that came before him, you didn't expect him to say what came right out of his mouth the, the moment he said, I became world champion. He said, and then I asked, is this it? It was very awkward. 
it was like that wasn't supposed to be in the script. That wasn't in any of the script that came before, and it wasn't in anybody's mind and mouth before. But here was a guy being honest about the fact that I thought if I could achieve this, I would find something that when I got there, it wasn't. It wasn't there. It didn't give it to me. And he's even gone on to win more champions. He just sort of blurted it out in an honest moment in a film that was just supposed to highlight thrills and adventure. And these guys are on the ultimate one physically. But the truth is, it's not enough. That is an incredibly scary moment. As scary as some of the adventures these guys went on, nothing more scary than realizing nothing I do here, no matter how much I achieve, is enough. Which brings me to my last thought. And perhaps the most important component of wisdom literature that will allow all three books to drive home to us. Um, And that is all wisdom, all the ancient paths ultimately lead to the person of Christ. First Corinthians will tell you that Jesus Christ became wisdom for us. Wisdom literature, you can see it. You can see it as you read it. It's pointing to a person. And that person becomes Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Jesus literally says, I am wisdom. I'm greater than Solomon. I'm smarter than Solomon. If you'll know me, if you'll love me, if you'll learn from me, I'll teach you how to live. In fact, um, maybe you're facing some difficult decisions right now. Maybe you've made some foolish ones. You've taken, you've had some missteps over the last few months. Jesus says this to you. I'll be your guide. Follow me. Follow my life. Follow my heart. Even when there are no rules to follow. Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but through me. Maybe you're in the dark. Absolutely clueless. It may be a general kind of fog that we're all in. We're all in kind of a general fog. Nobody knows what in the world is going on. Even though there's a lot of people who think they know. Almost everybody thinks they know. But it's a fog. But then there are some, maybe some areas in your life you're truly in the dark. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how you're going to get out of this. You don't know where it's going to lead. And I get it. We all have some of those. Some of you in here and some of you out there listening have truly dark, are in a really dark time. Jesus would say to you, look to me. I know what it's like hanging on a cross to sense that God isn't with you and for the whole world to go dark. Three hours on that cross it went dark. The father turned his eyes away from Christ Jesus would say, look to the cross. When you're wondering if I care about you, when you're wondering if I love you, if you don't sense God in your life, it doesn't mean he doesn't care, and it doesn't mean he's not going to get you through it, and it doesn't mean light's never appearing. 
That's what the cross teaches you. If you don't have that, you're going to get lost in the dark. So if you need a step right now, you need to know what your next step is, I would look to Christ for it. Whether there's rules or not. If it's dark, and you have no idea where to step next, I would still go to that cross because you're going to need things from him and what he's accomplished. Paul called the cross the wisdom of God. And then the final thing. Maybe you're feeling unfulfilled. Could be in any area of your life. You thought this would do it. You thought she would do it. You thought he would do it. You thought that would do it. And listen, that feeling will bubble up inside of you on any given day of your life. And you wonder, is there meaning to it all? Is it worth it? And Jesus would say this to you, come to me, learn of me, yoke yourself to me, and you'll find rest for your souls. Remember what Augustine said? I mean, man, man will never be at rest until his until his soul rests in God, until it rests in Christ. So we're considering this path. Remember this. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. You know what Hebrews is saying? God is, Christ is the trailblazer. So whether you need another step or whether you need some guidance in the dark or, or comfort in the dark or whether you need to find ultimate fulfillment in your life and you've been duped, You weren't ready for it, but your soul's been a little duped. Christ is the answer to that. Come back to him in here. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this truth. We thank you for your son. Because, Father, the truth is we're not always very smart. We're not always very wise. We will never know everything. We will always need you. And wisdom literature teaches us. Without you, we'll never find our way. In Jesus' name, amen.